Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Welcome. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad those who are joining us online are also here with us this morning via media. My wife and I have only been a part of this church about two years, and do you know what the first Sunday we came was? Service Sunday. And we wondered, what in the world is going on here? But you have uh, definitely extended to us your love and your patience and your grace, and we appreciate that. I've really found that to be true of Nazarenes anywhere we've been, but we've definitely experienced that here. And you have definitely shown me personally your patience and grace when I speak. Did you know that it's pretty easy for a preacher to get his merge wixed? For someone speaking to lose their place and... uh, Well, Pastor Gene showed us it's really easy for a speaker to get off on side notes. But I have have appreciated uh, this church. And we've grown to get to know a lot of you. I'm still, still getting to know some of you. I mean, it's a large enough church where we're still getting acquainted and Uh, wearing masks. I've introduced myself to several people this morning that I've met before. And they reminded me that I've met them before. (laughs) Are you ready to say goodbye to 2020? Are you ready to look at uh, the year 2020 in the review mirror? There was a a TV show that was on TV for about 23 years. I think it was on from 1969 to 1992. And we did not have a TV in our house till I was in high school, but even when we got a TV, um, we weren't allowed to watch this particular TV show. But I would go over to a friend's house often, and, and uh, a lot of times I happened to be there when they were watching this show. And almost every week, this show had a little song on it. And the song maybe could apply to 2020. The song went like this. Now, I usually don't sing. Well, I sing on elevators because a lot of time when I'm on elevators with people, I say, I think we need some elevator music. So this is one of the song, one of my favorite songs to sing on the elevator. The other favorite song to sing on the elevator is uh, Song Sung Blue by Neil Diamond. But um, this one I often sing on the elevator, and it goes like this. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, 
deep, dark depression, excessive misery. <laughs> if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. From the Hee Haw Show. I've sung that a couple of times this year on elevators. And I've thought about that song more than once in 2020. You know what I've also realized this year? My clothes are getting tighter. They've started to shrink. Anybody else had a little bit of a challenge with weight gain this year? Man. I had the opportunity this summer to go over to the west side of Oregon, and we, we had committed to help uh, my wife's sister, my sister-in-law, do some repairs in her mobile home to her floor. And we had said we... I had said, I guess, I think we can get this done in four days. Tear out the floor, reframe it, put in the subfloor, and then put in the... And it wasn't a large space, but we, we got in and found some rot and some, some more problems than, than we'd expected. Uh, anyway, about the third day, we had to make a run to get more materials, and I was working with my nephew, and I said, let's use your truck and run over to the, to the lumber yard, which was about six miles away, and pick up. He, he said, well, I'm going to run by the house where you guys are staying, and uh, I'll catch up to you. Well, I got a call. Shane's truck isn't shifting. Can you come over and take a look? So I left, and I went over, and I looked at his truck, and I'm not a transmission guy, but he could not get that shifter into park. So anytime he would have to get out of the truck, some, someone would have to be there to chuck tires so that he didn't roll. And he was on a slope driveway where he could have easily rolled into the place we were staying at, and someone had put a piece of wood, firewood, under his front tire. And so I looked, and I couldn't figure anything out, and I said, I think you need to call a transmission place. Well, the closest transmission place was about 18 miles away, and I was thinking, I need to follow him up there in case they need to keep the truck, and we need to figure out how to get materials, and then I need to follow him back, and we need to get back on this job, and we've wasted a half a day here. And I voiced that to my nephew. I said, man, we've wasted a half a day here. We're going to be... By the time we're done, it'll be gone. We're going to be behind. And he looked at me and he said, It's 2020. <laughs> but for some of you that are here today, this past year, it's been a little more challenging, hasn't it, than just uh, a silly song? Or some car problems, or weight gain. I think we have all dealt with, in one way or another, inconveniences, restrictions, uncertainty. But some of you have dealt with some pretty serious cancellations and disappointments. 
And I know some from this congregation, probably even some online, have experienced loss this year. Loss of a friend, loss of a family member. I think if we spend our time, too much time, looking back over the past year at all the negatives, it can kind of get us down. Let me rephrase that. If we spend too much time looking at the negatives over the past year, it will get us down. And as I've prepared this week, I've just felt like the Lord wanted me to share with you some words of encouragement. And maybe in the process, a couple of words of challenge also, but especially words of encouragement as we move into a new year. So as we move into a new year, I believe the Lord wants us to be moving forward and looking upward. I believe that's what God desires for us as believers and for us as a church. But how do we do that? With all the baggage of this past year, all the stuff that has gone on, how do we have an attitude of moving forward and looking upward? The Word of God gives us some direct instruction on this. In Hebrews chapter 12, we have very direct instruction on how to move forward and look upward. The writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God's word. It says, get rid of the weight and sin that holds you back in verse 1 and run with patience. Some translations say perseverance. Some translations say endurance. The race that is set before you. I'm not sure what I was thinking, but I used to like to run. And I especially like the shorter distance races. I like to run um, 10-kilometer runs, often called fun runs, 12-kilometer uh, runs, 15-kilometer runs. So I, I especially enjoyed uh, approximately 6 to almost 10-mile runs. So definitely not as hardcore as some of the people in this church, but I, en I enjoyed those runs. And it, it happened as we were uh, involved in planning a church in Oregon that it worked out to take a weekend and go see relatives north of Seattle. And we were outside of Portland about 15 miles planning this, this church. But we invited my mom to go along, and, and it happened that I could schedule a run as part of the trip. So I scheduled, signed up, 
sent to the registration fee, and we went up north to see relatives north of Seattle, and then coming back through, we stopped in Tacoma, and I did a run called Sound to Narrows. It's the oldest 12-kilometer run in Washington. And my wife and family and my mom were there, and so they said, we'll wait for you at the finish line. Okay. So I ran that I've, 12 kilometers. I think it comes out to about 7.45 miles, almost 7.5 miles. And it wasn't too long into the run till I realized I haven't prepared for this. Part of the run was along the sound, along the sand and rock of the sound, and then a lot of the run was through trails, through a park, through trees and forest. And then we ended the run kind of on a hill in this park, was the finish line. And, you know, I did about average for a 12-kilometer run. But when I got to, to uh, the end, my wife came over, you know, and she was, she was always encouraging no matter how I did it. Good job, you did well. My mom, different story. She said, what was going on? I thought I would see you at the front of the pack. I think I came in about, I don't know, half, halfway through the pack. She said, we were waiting and waiting and waiting, and runners kept going across the line and across the line. You weren't showing up. Well, Mom, I wasn't planning on being at the front of the pack. Well, she brought this up several times on the way home, and finally, I had to say, Mom, I met my goal with this run. Yeah, what was that? Not to be dead last. <laughs> and then I heard her say what she said. I've heard her say hundreds of times before, Oh, David. Friends, this race we are in, this race that Hebrew says to run with patience, to run with endurance, you know what? When we come to the finish line in this race, by the grace of God, Jesus isn't going to be saying, man, I thought I'd see you toward the front of the pack. My hope is that we will hear Jesus say, well done good and faithful servant. If we endure, if we persevere, if we make it by the grace of God, Jesus is going to welcome us into eternity, whatever place we come in, even if we come in dead last. These verses not only tell us how we should move forward. These verses also tell us where our focus needs to be. Looking to Jesus, the scriptures say, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. There are a lot of distractions in our world today. There are a lot of things trying to get our attention There is even a lot of evil 
trying to draw our focus away from Jesus. And I've, I've begun to realize something. I think someone might have mentioned this once, and I, I've thought, man, that's so true. When things that are evil, when things that are opposed to the Word of God, the morals and the ethics of God, when they begin to show their ugly face, very often they are loud and in your face. They want to almost oppose with kind of a vengeance what God's Word says. So how important it is in these times when, when, when all this sin and immorality and evil of our society is trying to force its way into our lives, into our thoughts, how important it is that we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's won the race. He's the victor. He sits at the right hand of God. And he invites us to run the race, keeping our eyes on him. A second way to move forward and look upward is to be shining lights for Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, I like a couple of verses in particular. Well, I like Philippians 2 as a whole. But I really like the word picture of verse 15 in Philippians chapter 2. I'll begin with verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God in a crooked and depraved generation. Now, I don't think Paul's generation had anything on us. But, but I want you to catch this. Next line, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. In which you shine as stars in the universe. Let me have a show of hands, if you don't mind, this morning. How many of you have been out in the country, maybe in a in a wheat field or out in the forest, out in the mountains, and you've looked up at the sky on a clear night and seen the stars. I was sure it'd be a majority of us. It's a beautiful sky, isn't it? When you get away from the city lights and you look up and see the heavens of stars. About 22 years ago, I heard scientists say that they had counted this is 22 years ago, that science had counted 26 sextillion stars. That's the number 26 followed by 26 zeros. And I'm sure they've discovered a lot more by in 22 years. But when you look at the sky and you see the stars and you see their brightness, we realize, right, that they're not generating their own light. They are reflecting a greater light. That's what God desires of us. God doesn't want us to generate our own light. He wants the light of Jesus to shine through our lives into the world he's placed us in. 
When you and I can shine for Jesus, when you and I can reflect his light, his glory, we begin to have an effect on the world around us. Not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is through us. If you've known me very long, you've probably heard me say this, and if you've known me very long, you're probably tired of hearing me say this, but I'm going to say it this morning because it applies. A lot more is accomplished by letting your light shine for Jesus than will ever be accomplished by cursing the darkness. Hey, that's worth writing down. A lot more will be accomplished by letting your light shine for Jesus than will ever be accomplished by cursing the darkness. As we move forward, as we look up, let's be sure that his light is being reflected in our lives. One final thing I'd like us to consider in the context of this idea of moving forward and looking upward is found in Matthew chapter 20, the words of Jesus. And I'd like to just uh, put these words in context from Matthew 20. If you'll remember it, in this passage, uh, the mother of the sons of thunder, James and John, had come to Jesus and said, hey, would you do me a really big favor? I I'm paraphrasing this, of course. Would you let one of my sons, like John, sit on your right, and the other son, like James, sit on your left when you enter into glory? And would you give them those special places and positions of authority? And Jesus said, woman, you don't know what you're asking. But as you read the scripture, you see that the other ten, and some translations actually, actually use the word that the other ten were indignant. They were pretty upset that, that this mom had come and asked for these special places of position for these two disciples. But what I want us to catch this morning is Jesus' response when the disciples were indignant. Jesus said, whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, some of you may be thinking, uh, what? A servant? A slave? I'm okay with running the race. I'm okay with keeping my eyes on Jesus. I'm okay with trying to let my light shine, but, but a slave? Hey, not my words. This is Jesus speaking here. A servant, that would mean uh, uh, putting others before me. Imagine that. That would mean that if I'm really a slave, that would mean that my time and money aren't really my own. They're the master's. Hmm. 
that would mean I might even have to go without something that I want because Jesus is calling me to help someone in need. Yeah, it might mean all of that and more. Being a slave or a servant means not only looking to Jesus, it means actually taking on his character, his attitude. Again, in Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. Your attitude, your character should be the same as Jesus Christ. And then if you go down a few verses to verse 7, it says, talking about the attitude of Jesus, made him, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. If Jesus is willing to become a servant and we're following him, shouldn't we be following his example? Do you want to make 2021 a great year? Find a place to serve and do it. Now, I have to say, you know, I, say, I told you that our first Sunday here was service Sunday. There are a lot of people who serve in this church. And I think that there are so many different venues of serving going on that I don't even know about them all. That's a good thing. But I said this last Sunday, and I'll say it again. In my own walk with Jesus and in the life of the church, I really believe there's always room for growth and improvement. And I'm wondering if maybe someone here this morning, maybe someone online, God has been nudging about getting involved in serving Jesus somehow, and you've kind of resisted it this year. You know what you need to do. Maybe it's time to just say, yes, Lord, I'm going to obey you. And I'm going to be involved in that avenue of service. Remember Jesus' wor words, uh, they've been said before recently a few times, but I'll repeat it. Let your light so shine before men that they may, what? See your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. C.S. Lewis was once talking about moving past hurt, moving past pain, moving past loss, and he said, getting past all of that is kind of like crossing monkey bars. You have to let go to move forward. You know, even pastoral change can be a little bit painful, but you have to let go to move forward. Disappointment of 2020, you have to let go to move forward. Let's begin to let go of the hurt, the pain, the disappointment of this year that's coming to a close. And let's go into the new year running the race 
before us with patience and endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, letting his light shine through us into the world where he's placed us, and being his servants. If we can implement those things in the new year, it will be a great year. There's one little book toward the end of the New Testament written by someone named Jude. And he begins that book with these words, identifying himself with these words, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. I would like us to stand this morning and as our benediction, I would like us to use the closing words of the book of Jude for our benediction. Would you stand with me as we close this morning? Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen.